It's the Compost Bin of History podcast with your hosts, James. And I am Jared. Um, I have two bachelor's degrees. I am the <laughs> operations manager for a small proprietorship in the trucking industry. And I'm here today to talk to you oh, a little bit about the environment. James here. I have a Master of Science in Ecology. I have worked as a professor of college students and am an accomplished orator in many different fields. And we are exactly the professional experts that you need to give you a structured, level-headed experience of environmental science as told through history. Yes, my first experience (laughs) as an employee was working at a small... (laughs) Um, <laughs> fireworks stand where I, I mean, I, I blew shit up. I got paid to fucking light shit on fire, blow stuff up, talk to people about, you know, how far, which fireworks were cool. I'm sorry. I, I can't, I can't keep doing all that shit. Well, um, the people have spoken. We need to be apparently more rigid with our introduction and give credentials, man. Uh, <laughs> that, I don't think that shit's going to work, dude. I'm I'm doing this podcast to not have to act like that. Well, if I can speak genuinely about our credentials, Jared, no bullshit. All right. No bullshit. Yes. We both, we both have real bourgeois credentials. We have degrees. We have experience in the industry, lab work, field work. Okay. We've done the shit, but we're both now on the outside looking in. We're basically like, born in the darkness and now uh we're like you know bane like standing on top of the pit i i I paid close to 70 some thousand dollars after i got my loans all paid off said and done so i mean i know a little bit what i'm talking about exactly exactly and we're in the prime position to not present ourselves as experts but rather to say look you know we have been through the ringer the maw and understand how this shit goes down and can at least maybe enlighten some people. And if, Hey, if it's not for you, I don't care. That's fine. You know? Yeah. And guess what? Some of those experts are fucking idiots. There's a lot of fucking stupid people with PhDs, man. Oh yeah. They might even know a whole lot about that thing that they have a PhD in, but in every other facet of life, they might be barely functional. Steve jobs. Dumb (laughs) fuck. Oh man. I mean, you know, just think of a person that's in charge of something. I bet they're not as cool and smart as they think they are. We're not here to give you a structured, rigid experience. We're here to do drugs, drink, talk about environmental science. Well, I don't know about the history. doing drugs thing. Uh, <laughs> I still do have a job. But uh, James Allegedly. James does whatever he does. I found a source for us to get um, San Pedro cactus. So I think we should um, get some cuttings. <laughs> and then allegedly parody redacted do a san pedro oh yeah they're a, um brew po- brew podcast yeah i mean that's a really popular ornamental cactus uh we should talk about permaculture with cacti yeah there you go <laughs> i mean i'd i don't know shit about propagating a cactus but i'm willing to try <laughs> uh why don't you give us an update on propagation out at compost acres oh man well, the propagation side of it kind of remains to be seen, but I got a whole bunch of propagation projects started at least. Right on. 
I saw you have actual compost out there at Compost Acres now. Oh, yeah. I've got a compost pile that I made when I first got there. There's just a big pile of leaves with a bunch of my, like, stuff from my house. And then I went to Starbucks and grabbed a bunch of their coffee grounds. Uh, but today, nice. Mike came down and uh, we moved my three-bin compost system from my grandma's house to my... Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to my grandma. Uh, there's no way you'll ever listen to this, but I know you hated those compost bins, so now they're gone. I love you, grandma. Um, I went, I think it was last week, and throughout the day collected like over 100 leaf bags around town and got them back there. Yeah, how are those leaves looking anyway? Which ones? Um, like how have you like scattered them like a foot, two foot deep in areas? I mean, oh like, yeah, okay. Doing? So <laughs> my surface water collection point excavation resulted in a bunch uh-huh. of like you know excess dirt. So I made a couple of berms with those to try to direct water a little better into the collection point. And then I was at Lowe's, mm-hmm. so I got a whole bunch of. Uh, flower bulbs like daffodils and crocus and uh, tulips and stuff like that and planted those into those berms that we made and then i covered one of the berms with like oak and elm leaves and i covered the other one with a bunch of honey locust leaves that had the pods and everything in there just to see what was going to happen uh i did that the day before it snowed and now it got covered in snow and the next day i went out there nice the next day i went out there the one with the elm and oak leaves was untouched and the one that had all the honey locust pods was just like ripped apart <laughs> so uh, apparently right. the deer really love those honey locust pods which hmm. i had read that somewhere but uh i covered it all back up put it all nice and neat again and came back the next day and it was just ripped up even <laughs> more thoroughly oh, so oh man well, should we should we introduce the show and get started, Jared? I guess we introduced it at the start, didn't we? We haven't talked about uh, which leg of the poison oh. of the poison path we're going down for quite a while. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, any... I'm drinking I'm drinking local and smoking local right now. Very nice. I've got uh, I'm actually drinking um, uh, Sparkalicious Hard Seltzer Grapefruit. Very manly. Thank you. Um, this is from Bootstrap Brewing. I think they're just south of me here in Colorado. Ooh, Bootstrap Brewing. Uh, I don't know about that. I know. Yeah, and then um, shout out to Twin Peaks Dispensary. Was looking just to to mix it up a little bit, and I got some Purple Sherb, testing at twenty six point six three to twenty eight point seven five percent THC. It's really good stuff. I walked out of there with a half ounce for eighty bucks. Felt like it was a good deal. Not too shabby. Yeah. If I can at least get some free weed out of this podcast, that would be <laughs> sufficient for me. I don't need new bourgeois credentials. I already have enough of those, but <laughs> yeah, they're doing free you a lot weed. Of good. <laughs> I know. <fuck. laughs> Dude, there's, and this is what I want people to know. There's a lot of people out there with PhDs who are working minimum wage jobs. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's literally just a crapshoot. And I think that's actually a good a good point to talk to to introduce the topic with today okay so we're picking up clean water act part four and i have i have just a bachelor a couple of bachelor's degrees and i made more money last year than james probably ever has made oh yeah then my whole life yes your (laughs) your uh last year was a good year for me not not mentally but uh financially you paid off your loans though 
Yep. Yeah. Wiped my student loans out, wiped off my medical debt. I mean, it, not just in the last year. These are like, mm-hmm. these have been a right. long, long time coming. Uh, I'm in my thirties and I've been living with my grandma and stuff like that. So I can get these things paid off. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I still have plenty of student debt that I have not paid off. Well, man, it's just, yeah, I guess Biden's talking <laughs> about wiping out some student loan debt. So, Hey, you know what? We'll see if it happens, be, but that'd be something. Hopefully I kind of, I fucking moonshot dude <laughs> yeah, dude i mean hopefully i'm not one of those shitheads that like hey yeah, man yeah. i'd fucking everything mm-hmm. you know i made it you fucking can too no it was awful and i don't think anybody should have to do that yeah you know well and this is what i mean by saying that like we're on the outside looking in like i would tell anyone listening out there do not go to school <laughs> if you're going to get into debt to do it yeah don't do Col- it. college can be fun if you can afford it if you can take like a community college course and pay for it up front and like you learn something useful out of it, fucking great. You know, you want to learn about literature, awesome. If you want to learn to be a doctor, hey, we should be paying you to do it. But um, as it stands right now, don't go into debt to go to college. I got nothing to add. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> I've advised multiple friends and family to drop out of college because it wasn't working out. You know, yeah. because I was Bourge- like, the bourgeois credentials are not worth it. Yeah. Cause I was like, look at me. I made it. I got my, I did what I was supposed to and I'm still mm-hmm. buried in debt. So if you're not even going to like maybe stick with this, get out now, yeah. you know? Oh, uh, Jared, we forgot. What, what are you drinking? What did you just pick up? Oh at the yeah. Store? Yeah. Okay. So I got a bunch of free shit today. Usually I'm a huge cheapskate about, well, pretty much everything, <laughs> but, um, I've got some ACE, uh, guava flavor or straight up guava craft cider so oh all right it is from california it claims it is gluten-free and vegan mm. um there's no sugar cool. added but it's uh, fermented apple juice pink guava juice maltic acid and sulfite which is a preservative sounds good it's delicious it's the best <laughs> like i don't even know you can't really call it beer but this is like the best alcoholic beverage that I could buy at the corner store. Yeah, we're both having kind of a sparklier alcoholic beverage today. I think that's good. That's serendipitous. Mm-hmm. And for what I was smoking earlier today, um, I don't know who makes them, but <laughs> having some good, old, some good old black and milds today. Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Middleton, maybe, or something like that. I don't know. Well, okay, so let's pick up with Clean Water Act Part Four. No, I didn't. I didn't have any homegrown anything else. <laughs> Allegedly, not my home. <laughs> Us talking about our our credentials and our job history is actually a good place to introduce Clean Water Act Part Four because I want to introduce the show with the topic of the Hook and Bullet Club. Now, I think you've probably heard this term before, Jared. Hook and Bullet. I mean. I don't know. They like well to, the hook and bullet they club. Like, they like, like to the hunt and fish Isaac or Walton League. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. yeah but the Ike's Club is at or the Isaac Walton League. They're they're on McCook Lake. I mean, well, I right. The, and they're them. all over the place, right? They're all over the place. Yeah. Um. But so Isaac Walton is like a literal example. But there's <clears throat> hook and bullet clubs of like basically semi-propertyed good old boys all over the place, right? Like these people might have, whether it's a cabin or a few acres or a whole ranch or farm or something, 
They also enjoy spending time outdoors and they're at like the, you know, sporting clays club or the hunting club. Oh shit. They have so the this deer is cabin like me, out in the woods. Yeah. But I mean, are you in the hook and bullet club? Are you? No, I've never league? joined one of those fruity fucking clubs, but I mean, right. <laughs> I like doing those things. And in the, and in the hundreds of jobs you've applied for in, you know, the like wildlife habitat, type um biology technician field tech type stuff those hundreds of jobs you've applied for have you gotten one of them <laughs> i haven't even gotten a phone call yeah me neither <laughs> incidentally even after even after getting the master's degree in ecology you know um the only places i ever got interviewed for were like middle of fucking nowhere and i still didn't get the jobs uh, yeah I, you know? I can't even get an interview for those middle of nowhere jobs now, what if I told you that the reason that is, is not because of like some dearth of experience or ability on our part or on anyone's part for that matter, but that instead the people who are already working for those organizations and in those positions are in those hook and bullet clubs and some idiot's nephew is probably going to get that job because they know them. Man, <laughs> I really hope that's what happened with this last one. I just like didn't even get contacted for because... I mean, come on. I was like made for that fucking job. Well, yeah, this is so this is the introducing the Clean Water Act, because what we're going to talk about is how basically this hook and bullet club mentality on the part of the regulators, the people charged with regulating fish and game laws, but also, yeah, the people who work for the Corps of Engineers in states like South Dakota and Nebraska and yeah, also the, you know, people who, um, move up through, uh, state level, um, game and fish and wildlife and environmental organizations. They're largely the people who start out from those hook and bullet clubs. It's basically a way of kind of enshrining that, you know, sort of wealthy, like uh civil service type job. Oh man. So you tell me kind of just like keep handing it on down. You tell me if I would have went and hung out with all those squares, I could have fucking had a job that I like probably dude like wait a minute but then i'd i mean i'd have to work with all those people too like you would that's the problem uh, yes. <laughs> i don't see you know be careful what you wish for sometimes right <laughs> right you know like here in here in like the front range of colorado obviously it's much more merit-based but yeah for you know middle of nowhere or even like yeah sioux city iowa you know, um, I live here already. I can't even can't even get an interview at a freaking interpretive center at a state park. I right. mean, yeah. Have you met have you met some of the people that work in those places? Yeah. So <laughs> with with something like the Clean Water Act, though, something that is kind of like this um, onerous piece of legislation that has to be interpreted by all these different people who are charged with these different parts of it. It kind of comes back to that hook and bullet club mentality. And for, say, like a Army Corps of Engineers district engineer in South Dakota, they might have a very different interpretation of waters of the United States or navigable waters than the district engineer for Louisiana. That would just stand to reason, right? I mean, you would hope they're very different places. Yeah, obviously. But this this hook and bullet club mentality means that and basically, um, this problem of jurisdiction is just being compounded as well. And it's also that there aren't, you know, there aren't like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Like, we've talked a little, we've made fun of the core already. 
there aren't like the most talented people working for these agencies and in these positions. Yeah, they're in the army. The talented people work for like Halliburton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they make, you know, however much money it takes to wash all that blood off your hands. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that figure is, by the way. Probably more than I think it is. <laughs> all right, so basically these these problems that we're left with after you know, um, the Clean Water Act is brought into being. What is a navigable water? What is a what is a wetland? Even these start to be sorted out in like 1979, early 1980s. <laughs> We're like four hours in, four and a half hours in. We still don't know yeah. what a wetland is. Well, and this is going to be the problem as we look at. The, let me just forecast for the judicial stuff that we're going to talk about next. The problem is going to be: is it a wetland or is it just land wet? Right, because if, if it's land, if it's land that might occasionally be wet, that's not that's not jurisdictional. It's just fucking okay? backwards day in court when they're talking about this. That's basically it. That's basically what all this is going to boil down to. That maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's opposite? land wet. Maybe it's not wetland. Maybe it's land wet. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh that's God. basically what a lot of this is going to come down to, and that that's why fucking, it's fucking stupid. Is, okay, is Adam Sandler, the judge in this court. <laughs> it's it's a bullshit determination as we've talked about plenty already water moves in a cycle and all ecosystems are in a constant state of flux through time now what comes about in 1979 though is a pretty good definition of a wetland and this is basically still what we use today so i'm just going to give it for all of the people who are like wetland delineators out there who have been screaming at us for the last four hours (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you what the definition of a wetland is, okay? So they can be justified. You can finally screams. you can finally shut it off. Yes. <laughs> and go back to your completely uh, non-problematic job. All right. So You're doing great, man. <laughs> you have to have three things for it to be a wetland. You have to have wetland soils, which are specifically soils that exhibit anaerobic signs anaerobic meaning a lack of oxygen meaning that they're submerged in water for at least two to four weeks a year something like that okay okay so lots of sand and uh no organic matter well it can be sand in some instances yeah but also in many other instances wetlands are where like layers and layers of organic matter collect so it can be like super mucky peat or and again, that's what I'm saying is there's so many different contextual interpretations of this that it's almost impossible to just say this is what a wetland is if you're going to be serious about it. It's better to just say, you know what? Water exists on a gradient. It's over there sometimes. It's over here sometimes. Fuck it. But um, here's what a wetland is. It has the wetland soils exhibiting, yeah, signs of like organic matter decay, Um reduction of oxi of like oxidized metals okay that's Um, when we were digging out in like the the bogs or whatever you can see like a like a line of rust in the clay yeah you can see rust in the soil you dig down a certain depth that's the reduction of iron um i just remember the the oxidation yeah i just remember the first time i saw that and i thought it was pretty incredible yeah Yeah, so you look for stuff like that in the soil. Um, And then, this one's pretty obvious, you look for wetland hydrology, 
which just means like, is there water there or is there water nearby? <laughs> or like if you dig a hole, is there water in the hole? Basically. Uh, and I mean, and they'll even take stuff like, you know, is there signs of like drift? Like if you see like signs of like a flood line or something like that, that could be wetland hydrology. And then the last one is wetland vegetation, wetland plants. Any of these plants that are specifically evolved and adapted for like anaerobic conditions, or even those that can't exist in wetland anaerobic conditions, um, things like cattails and bulrushes, sedges. Yeah. This is something that you could very easily teach to middle schoolers. Absolutely, you could. Yeah, it's not complicated. Like, um, if you just paint it in very broad strokes, it's not complicated because they all, it's like a little triangle, right? It's like each one depends on the other. You only have wetland vegetation if you have hydrology and soil. You only have soil if you have um, hydrology and vegetation. And you only have hydrology if you have, well, rain, I guess. You can basically (laughs) take, you can take away, you can drain a wetland and take away hydrology and then it's just a fucking cornfield, right? Like that's, that's the, the main one really. But, um, but yeah, but also obviously if you just say, okay, here are the three things that make a wetland, you're going to then acknowledge this is constantly changing throughout time. It could change day to day based on hydrology alone. Right. Or if, you know, something gets burned or slashed or whatever, or flooded, uh, flooded as well. And then you have to ask like, okay, so there are wetlands around lakes. Where does the wetland stop going into the lake? And what they kind of arbitrarily say is two meters deep. So six feet, basically. Anywhere past six foot deep, that's lake. Anything on the other side could be considered wetland. Well, but doesn't that have to do with like six feet is like the cutoff where you start having currents and stuff like that? Like the water, Maybe. the water I'm, starts, I'm not sure about I think that. like the, it's deep enough. So where the water will start like circulating mm, okay. i think the difference between a lake and a pond is that the water circulates but i can see that yeah but i might be mistaken limnologists please write in let us know yes and if anyone knows what a limnologist is please write in to tell me <laughs> <laughs> uh lake study <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, that's that's what a wetland is, but it changes constantly. One person could do a wetland delineation one day, another person could do one the next, and they might be different and both correct at the same time, right? And and what one thing I I even like went to delineator tra- training. One thing they teach you when you're looking for wetlands is that yeah, the line is bullshit. Like the line is a lie. You can't actually delineate the wetland. You just have to do this because because people in offices want you to draw a line around things. So they know like how much money to give the Corps of Engineers or how much to avoid, you know, building in that site or something like that. They just do it for cost benefit analyses. But the line is bullshit. You're just there to basically tell, sing them a song. Ah, uh, yes. The line is bullshit. Not at all like our stock market. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's the same thing. Exactly. So... That's something to really keep in mind, though, when we now look at how this all gets sorted out with case law. This is all bullshit, okay? This is all just people in offices demanding arbitration. There's a reason that people hate lawyers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we'll also see that for a little while, this could have gone a different way. This could have gone a very different way if things would have gone a little bit differently. So uh, we've kind of have 
established what a wetland is and we pick it up in 1985. All right. With the first, basically every, every, uh, these first three Supreme court cases that we're going to look at in each of them, it's like the villain of the decade. It's like, imagine the villain from like the, the decades of the, that movie. That's who's challenging the clean water act. <laughs> and in 1985, it's this Riverside Bayview homes incorporated in Michigan. Okay. So this is like the the greedy developer and like the college ski movie or something like that. They're like wants to, you know, bulldoze the wetland Hell yeah. so that they can like build a new condo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the dude's got the coolest jacket on the mountain, but he's the biggest piece of shit there too. Exactly. That's Riverside Bayview Homes Incorporated. In 19 a little before 1985, Riverside Bayview Homes Incorporated puts fill material into uh, the side of Lake St. Clair in Michigan. This is around Detroit, okay? And basically, they're just doing this because they want to, like, build some additional, you know, like, structure that kind of extends out closer to the water or into the water. (laughs) They're just filling it with old concrete? Yeah, basically, (laughs) yeah. Man, that's that's hard to imagine. Where might I see that going on? (laughs) As you know... Around the the sides of a lake, you're going to have um, some land that is wet and some wet that is land, right? So these guys basically just like dumped all through that, that border region. And the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers filed lawsuit, said, hey, that's our jurisdiction. You didn't get permitting. You didn't mitigate. And now we're taking you to court. All right, well, maybe uh, I'll have something to change my opinion a little bit on the Corps of Engineers here. Well, I think this this is the good one, okay? This is the one where the good guys win. All right. The good guys being, like, complicated good guys in the Corps of Engineers, but at least representing public interest. Well, the public interest is Yeah, I mean, actually, it. the public interest is being taken into account here, it sounds like. Right, right, exactly. What year was this? This is 1985. Oh, okay, so I wasn't alive you, yet. <laughs> yeah, United States versus Riverside Bayview Homes Incorporated. All right. So um, this goes to a federal district court, and it upholds the Corps of Engineers' mandate over this area, and it says that in fact it is wetland. Okay. So Corps of Engineers has has jurisdiction. Okay. Uh oh, though. Then it goes to the Court of Appeals. Yeah, it's going to be uh-oh on all of these because they end up at the Supreme Court. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about like, oh, well, then everything will be okay. Wait, no, no. <laughs> Shit. That's the dumb thing about the justice system, dude. Is it's so how, just much, like, how much money did they have How much pay? money do you have? How much yeah. money do you have? Can you keep flipping yeah. the coin? Yeah. It's not like you can undo um, this once it's been done. Fuck. So it goes to Court of Appeals and it's reversed there, obviously. Because uh, the Corps finds that this land that was filled by Riverside Bayview Homes Incorporated was only adjacent to a navigable body of water. Therefore, the Corps did not have jurisdiction and overstepped its mandate with Riverside Bayview. Yeah. And Okay, the, the Corps of Engineers has gone too far here. Right, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Those monsters. I know. And finally, it gets to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1985. And in 1985, the U.S. Supreme Court hands down a unanimous decision that it is, in fact, wetland. Basically, the U.S. Supreme Court decides unanimously for the public interest 
of the environment and the people of the United States. Don't tell me that, dude. You're going to give me hope again. <laughs> oh, who? They said okay, that, they like, said that the, what, which court was this or whatever? You know how they all have like the, oh, fuck. the whatever court? Um, shit. It was the Burger Court. Warren Burger. Who the, I've never even heard of that person. Let's see. Sandra Day O'Connor was on it. John Paul Stevens was on it. Okay, I've heard of Sandra. Rehnquist. I've heard of Rehnquist. Thurgood Marshall was still there. Okay. So this was a good court. This was a good court, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, this is a good case. Um, I'm just imagining if this case came up now. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll see what happens. Um, so this was, again, a unanimous decision that it is, in fact, a wetland and that the Corps acted reasonably in the spirit of the Clean Water Act. Basically, yes, this is jurisdictional. Wetlands are jurisdictional. The Corps can regulate them. And this leads directly to a 1986 uh, rule that gets added to the Clean Water Act. Because this Supreme Court decision with Bay- Bayview Homes affirmed the Corps' authority to regulate wetlands. Basically said that all wetlands, at least those that are adjacent to like lakes, rivers, streams, definitely those... But potentially all wetlands are jurisdictional for the Corps of Engineers. So it's a big win for authority for the Corps. And this leads to the migratory bird rule in 1986. This gets added to the Clean Water Act. This has to do with interstate commerce. Okay. One thing that people might remember from like civics class is that Interstate commerce is regulated by the federal government, specifically the legislature, which in passing the Clean Water Act was by proxy regulating some interstate commerce, at least as it regards to water, right? Oh, yeah. And if anyone's ever gone duck or goose hunting out there, you know that one thing you need for your licensure, in addition to a small game permit, is a federal duck stamp. And that's because ducks and geese, just like water itself, <laughs> ducks don't stay in one place. <laughs> they transport themselves over state lines. They transport themselves over state lines. They rely on habitat critically in multiple areas over multiple states. And therefore, under the Clean Water Act, they kind of represent a connection between all these different isolated areas of jurisdiction. Because as Congress has authority to legislate interstate commerce. They therefore have the authority to regulate even an isolated body of water, a prairie pothole out there in the middle of, you know, some field in Custer County, South Dakota. Actually, that's not prairie pothole region. Sorry. But um, if a duck lands there in Minnehaha County, there you go. (laughs) But yeah, under, under the migratory bird rule, that's all core jurisdiction. Right now, doesn't mean that that's being enforced universally, though, because of all these like hook and cu- hook and bullet club people. Well, and who it, are... it would just there are so many of those prairie potholes; it would be literally impossible. Oh yeah, you wouldn't be able to do it. Maybe maybe if Skynet was a thing, then you could do it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean the problem is that like managers, public lands are just such a like small portion of land over most of the wetland regions. And managers have like vast amounts of private land to deal with. And you just can't lock all that down. And on top of that, you know, like I said, these, um, this, this attitude still is very prevalent. The hook and bullet club attitude 
through a lot of the uh, people who are in resource management positions throughout a lot of the, you know, greater Midwest at this time. So it doesn't mean, mean that this is universally enforced, but it does mean that the authority has mandate behind it, right? Like the Supreme Court and the migratory bird rule mean that potentially all wetlands, any wetland, even a prairie pothole, a playa, um, you know, a stream in the mountains have federal protection, right? Which was would be a significant win for the water cycle and all the people who depend on it, so long as that also equivocates to not being polluted and protected from yeah. dredge and fill and stuff. Oh, so it's good for all living things. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Let's see how they fuck it up. <laughs> we, we can't be having that. I don't know if you knew this or not, but like crows don't pay any taxes, bud. Yeah. So just recall that the 1972 Clean Water Act said both navigable waters and waters of the United States. Now, that's been expanded with the Migratory Bird Rule, which really establishes a wide precedent for core authority um, following the Riverside Bayview Homes case, which said, yes, wetlands, right? And this basically is also what provides the material context for mitigation banking, which we talked about last time. Um, which comes onto the scene in the 1990s with George H.W. Bush and the no net loss wetlands thing. But that's the introduction of market mechanisms now. And even with the migratory bird rule, these market mechanisms still kind of come in and start to fuck it up, right? And um, spoiler alert, though, mitigation banking, as all these rules and like um, Supreme Court cases are being repealed and like the environment is getting more and more like unprotected mitigation banking is like drying up because there's no longer federal mandate for wetland protection as such. There's no longer a demand for mitigation bank credits. Oh, what a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Shockingly the market scheme based on environmental destruction, which was built around producing marginally less environmental destruction did not prove profitable over the long term well you know what they say about regulations (laughs) all right so um let's let's jump up to basically this is uh uh, ends up in 2001 okay but this is the 1990s villain okay who's the 1990s movie villain it's no longer the big business guy, right? Because we're in the neoliberalization period. Now it's like the corrupt cabal of city or like county officials. Oh yeah. Like like the group of of like public officials who are just in it to get theirs and like fuck everybody else, right? So um this is the solid waste agency of North Cook County, Illinois versus United States. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois, great democratic city. Um, no problems with corruption ever, as far as I'm, as far as I know. Beautiful, beautiful place. My kind of town. Oh yeah, I would say. smells good. Uh, the people are friendly, <laughs> especially the people in the Polish sausage business. Um, yeah, they should. They should have kept those anarchists around, though. I think they gave a little bit more verve. Oh, uh, what do you mean? I never learned about any of that in, in history class. Anarchism, what is that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't Google that one, kids. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the Solid Waste Agency of Northcote County 
basically ends up reinterpreting some of those provisions concerning dredge and fill and what navigable waters will constitute. And basically, this is what will end the migratory bird rule, which, again, this is the thing I'm saying. This lasts for like 15 years. This is on the books where there's like a wide mandate for authority and power to back it up. And this, but, that's, that's the point in time when actual things were being done to save wetlands and also mitigation banking was going bankrupt. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, so, what, so what happens when we get profitable? All right, so with Swanco, this is kind of an interesting case because this actually has a lot to do with what we were talking about with regards to your little water catchment, Jared. Okay. This is basically what this case is. <clears throat> All right. So um, the Solid Waste Agency, these are like the poop people of North Cook County, Illinois. Yeah. Okay, these are the poop people. Good people. <clears throat> good, good people, like deep, deep roots. Somebody's got to take care of all these shits people are doing. Those those uh, bratwurst and Polish dog. Oh my god! Especially in from Chicago. Chicago, the deep dish pizza. Oh my god! Have you ever seen? <laughs> you ever seen? Have you ever seen the people that work and live in Chicago? I have. Yeah. You ever encountered? Like some of them are my family. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, I know these it's are true. these have got to be like some of the best wastewater treatment people in the world. I would think. They've got they've got their work cut out for them. They are. Sure. We, I mean, you talk of when whenever you're like learning about military history, they talk about like veteran troops versus like rookie troops. <laughs> These motherfuckers in color in, in Chicago, they are veteran wastewater treatment yeah, employees. Absolutely. <laughs> There's some big dumps coming through that place. <laughs> All right. So basically in um north of Chicago. There were some old gravel mines, you know, a lot of these areas where there are like river drainages over the years, rivers deposit gravel Yeah, Pilgrim and gravel is yeah. All over the fucking place <laughs> here in Colorado on the Platte river, but also in Chicago. And of course, gravel is very useful for lots of different applications like road surfacing. And it was mined extensively for a long time and continues to be. And this this area that the solid waste agency was interested in was like gravel mined in like the 1950s, okay, and was just abandoned since then. And of course, when you mine all the gravel out of the area, it just fills in with water. You just have all these pits, and what do you know? But some ducks went and landed in those pits. Uh oh. Yeah. Remember the whole migratory bird rule? <laughs> well, I guess we're not mining anymore. Right. Now those pits are wetlands because ducks are Wait, there. but are so, they? Well, like you take the ducks out, out. They are some shitty wetlands. So the Solid Waste Agency wants to develop this area to produce a new treatment facility, right? And the Corps denies them the permit based on the fact that these are wetlands yeah. because, you know, their ducks are there. And the dudes right? in Chicago are like, what the fuck, man? Same team. I'm probably underselling it by just saying ducks are there. I mean, these are like wasted industrial areas, but like there are probably some plants and like fish and shit. I mean, they probably provide some ecological value, although not as much as when the area was just intact and unaltered. Yeah, I mean, right? it's, it's definitely mine all the fucking gravel out of it's it. It's definitely not as good as like an oxbow lake or, you know, like a prairie yeah. pothole or something like that. Here, I got to let my dog out of the room. Uh oh. 
Yeah, definitely not as good as uh, one of those. Yeah, the Corps denies them the permit. It goes to court. The district court rules for the Corps of Engineers jurisdiction against the Solid Waste Agency. Says, yep, sorry guys, but it's a wetland. Ducks are there. Shit's happening. But uh, the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals actually also agreed and said that Congress has authority under the Commerce Clause, as we were saying, to regulate interstate commerce. And because ducks and geese migrate, even isolated waters are part of interstate commerce. <laughs> ducks are really the semi-trucks of the sky. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But some things have been happening in the Supreme Court. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see who's in charge of the Supreme Court now. Uh, Berger is gone. Now it's William Rehnquist. Okay. In charge. Okay. <clears throat> I think I like him. And we got. Oh, we also got Clarence Thomas on there. Oh now. no. Okay. Never mind. And um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not liking our. Have you ever heard here. of this guy, Antonin Scalia? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well okay this is these are reagan's fucking these are reagan's dudes yeah right? these are reagan's dudes okay now the the court has taken a turn okay um and i know i think clarence thomas was hw oh i think you're right about that yeah this is like the the these are all the 80s guys around the court now wait basically. a minute was joe biden on this decision he really liked he was on the he really he was on the court he well he really liked clarence thomas he did, though. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Clarence Thomas, who, of course, sexually harassed Anita Hill. Uh, Well, there must have been some weird jurisdiction thing going on. Cause, uh, Can I just say, I, I bet Antonin Scalia did a lot of sexual harassment as well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even going to check. I'm not even going to look because I'm just like, yeah, he definitely did. I mean, like, I'm just going to assume. Have you seen a picture of him? He just looks he looks that way. He looks. But he's also a Supreme Court justice. So he kind of looks know, like Chris Christie, not good. but like worse almost. Yeah. I bet Chris Christie's a creepy dude. All right. So the Supreme Court rules five to four against after this after this judgment. For for core authority, wetland protection, duck protection was upheld in district and circuit court. Supreme Court turns it over five to four, narrow conservative hmm. decision. Oh, what do you mean conservative? Uh, I didn't know if you know this, but uh, the Supreme Court is actually not political. Oh, I didn't know that. I just figured that, you know, because they're like at the top of politics, they're probably political. Uh, well, Justice John Roberts, who is not at all a plant by the Republican Party, uh, <laughs> he says that uh, the court is not political and, you know, he's a Supreme Court justice, so he must know what he's talking about. I just feel like I've been getting all these messages from like Democratic fundraisers for the last like 18 years saying that. I need to give them more money immediately because the Supreme Court is ultra political. Oh, you just got to hit stop. You just got to type stop. Oh, and okay, you quit okay. getting those. <laughs> All right. So what the court finds here is that the migratory bird rule is not supported by the Clean Water Act. And it's kind of ironic because the case that would become known as Swanco, Solid Waste Agency, North Cook County, 
Swanco took down the migratory bird rule. Basically said, migratory bird rule, unconstitutional. Right, dude, this is Swanco, like an 80s movie. Fuck that shit. Now is, now, now is the era of business. Hell right? yeah, dude. Send in RoboCops so you can fuck up Swanco. It's 2001, The Chronic. Now, oh shit, right? it's 2001? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Now it's 2001. Okay, so it's, this is like a throwback then. Dude, yes, exactly. But I mean, this was all working its way through in the 90s, right? This took time. Yeah, so basically they said that the Clean Water Act did not have any jurisdiction over isolated waters. No, none. And the conservative justices were saying that they wouldn't grant what they called a customary deference to the agency to interpret ambiguous statutes. All right, that's that's a lot of legalese right there. What, yeah, yeah, what yeah. Let me, let me explain. <laughs> so an ambiguous statute is just a vague law. Okay, if the law is vague, typically the agency gets to interpret it as they may, right? If the law is vague. Hey, Corps of Engineers, you get to decide what's what is the jurisdiction. Supreme Court, the the narrow majority conservative on the Supreme Court says, "Nah, no, you don't get to do that," and that this is an encroachment on. Are you ready for it? Say it with me, state, state right. power. Oh, state same power. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now um i do want to point out though that justice john paul stevens who um basically wrote the dissent for the liberal justices he had a really good dissent where he said that R- what riverside bayview homes means is basically that you have to extend the clean water act to all marshes and wetlands because you know the fucking water cycle because Justice John Paul Stevens was apparently the only person on the Supreme Court, or one of the four who remembered seventh grade science. Yeah, but I mean, who gives a fuck? It's a dissent, but he lost. He lost. He can be right all day long, but the wrong thing still happened. <clears throat> yeah. So, what this means now, with the migratory bird rule being plucked out of existence is that it's very hard to determine jurisdiction again because it was simple for a long time. If, if there was a duck, it's actually, again, like with the, the swimming and the fishing thing that we started with, again, it's not a bad test. Is there not a duck all. there? All right. It's a really bad test, though, if you want to be able to, like, fuck up these wetlands. <laughs> be- Definitely, <laughs> <because> yeah. <laughs> it makes it real easy to be like, dude, fuck are you doing? <laughs> you, you know you can't do this why 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 even you're gonna be out of business in fucking seven years who cares just fucking cut your losses <laughs> you know kill the duck yeah you gotta kill the duck yeah. the bank's taking the fucking place anyway are you gonna destroy this wetland and keep it going for seven more years or you know what dude i think i think that's a good point a lot is made about like the economy in the 1990s and early 2000s, but a lot of that is also being built through like just tech and finance bullshit that doesn't actually. Yeah, it's like, a bunch of shit. I mean, it's it's not quite as prolific back then as now, but like, right <laughs> now we're not extra fucked when this goes up. Never mind. Go on. But yeah, for for people who are like landowners though in these areas, you're right though. Things have continued to like get harder for them, and they've continued to be pinched. And, you know, in some ways, it's like they're acting reasonably given the constraints of the system that they're in. But the system's not reasonable. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole problem here. That is why, like, everyone gets fucking mad at even Jeff Bezos. But you know what? I mean, you know, it's not really his fault that the system's set up this way. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Because it it is. There's two people, you know, there's a society, right? Like there's some there's some broader thing going on there. So I don't I can't I can't account for it. I'm I'm in a I don't know, I feel like after the election I'm kind of in a reformatting phase with my relationship to society. Um, <laughs> well, I've just completely eschewed society, <laughs> bought three and a half acres in a town, and I'm going badger mode, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, what Swanco effectively does, though, this is the sad part, okay, Jared? It basically removes federal protection from 79%, 79% of wetland acreage ah, and left it up to the states. There it is. There is that thing where I was having, like, a great day, <laughs> and yeah. now I just learned something, and I'm like, God damn it. So... 80% of wetlands that would have once been protected by the Corps of Engineers with federal authority blipped out and were left to state power, which is, uh, of course, up to up to the states. Again, it's hook and bullet club type stuff, right? <laughs> who happens to be who happens to be around in South Dakota to legislate on this? <laughs> we gerrymandered the environment. We we did, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. But that that was why they wanted that that was that was you know Reagan and Bush's court's lasting effect. That's why the the man the conservatives for the last like since Nixon Nixon fucking like wrote the fucking book. He was like, we're not only gonna like advance conservative ideals and seize the Supreme Court and get like business like unleashed upon America <clears throat> and government restricted. We're gonna get the fucking Democrats to do it for us. Like fucking shit, man. Fuck Nixon. Dude, yep, great man. So, obviously, some states do provide wetland protection. States like Minnesota, Wisconsin, good examples. Some states don't. States like South Dakota. (laughs) Um, Iowa. Iowa. Nebraska. Yep. Well, wait a minute. Does Nebraska now? I think that the state runs their own mitigation banking there, which is, oh. oh, there was actually a little bit of a fiasco because one of their big wetland mitigation banks they're using for all of these roadway projects mm-hmm. was just like a total failure because they didn't, they didn't like, because you can't build a wetland really. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the fucking, um, the dude that was like in charge of Sioux City's wastewater treatment or something, just, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to jail, but he's like got in some oh, yeah. deep shit from uh basically pulling a Volkswagen with emissions testing on the city's water. Right. <laughs> yeah. So man, I'm yeah. I'm glad I live in town. Just touch you know? back on Iowa. We just yeah. we just learned about like how potentially toxic the well water I drank as a kid might have been. <laughs> and yeah. now like we're getting notices that our water in town isn't fucking safe possibly. Yeah, we were lying about all those tests we were sending. <laughs> That's literally what it was. Wow. Yeah. They would like... Just because it was easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, they would like... And probably because that guy was some asshole's nephew. Well, they would like only do the tests on like the day that they knew that it would be the lowest. So they did like a legitimate test on the most favorable possible time. Yeah. That was like the the low point. And they were setting that as the average. Oh, man. <laughs> it's right. pretty clever. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, Swanco kills the migratory bird rule and 80% of federally protected wetlands. So what what still is covered by the Clean Water Act then? Like what what are what's in? Okay. Uh, okay, the Missouri River, right? Missouri River, yes. Um, and also also as as we see waters with a significant nexus with navigable waters. Okay? So the Missouri River's tributaries which have a significant nexus, which is a connection, a significant connection, okay. right? But it's legalese though, so it's a significant nexus. Okay. Okay. But that's that's only its tributaries though. Well, obviously those tributaries have tributaries. Well, okay, yeah, the whole the whole spiderweb thing, but I mean <laughs> But basically that's kind of what the implication is. But we still don't know what constitutes a significant nexus, right? That's gonna be the next test. I feel like Patrick Stewart needs to come explain this to everyone. <laughs> All right, so there's a little bit of nominative determinism going on here in 2006. Okay. When we get... Hold on. <laughs> what? Name determining. There's a little bit of, like, the name determines what happens going on in 2006 with this next case. Oh, okay. In Rapanos versus United States, 2006. You get my nominative determined because <laughs> it sounds like rape anus. That's what I'm saying. Uh, um, yeah, I thought there was something going on there. Okay. <laughs> Not all of us took English. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2006, Rapanos versus United States basically uh, overturns the Riverside Bayview case. Riverside Bayview, which granted that wide federal mandate to the Corps of Engineers, limited by Swanco is now going to be totally undone with Rapanos. Okay. And basically what Rapanos is saying here, the message from the court is going to be, Hey, how wet is that land? Actually, maybe it's just land. That's wet. Jared doesn't like it. (laughs) All right. Get ready for the worst story okay, dude, you're if, ever going like, to hear. Like, if you're negotiating like this, you've already lost with these this is, with these people. <laughs> like, let me just. What do you mean? I want how, to apologize. How wet is the land? It's a wetland, you cocksucker. <laughs> Fucking ask me how wet the land is. <laughs> these people should be ashamed of themselves. I w- I do want to apologize to you, Jared, and all of our listeners for what I'm about to explain to them. Okay. All right, well, this has been horseshit so far, so let's see what's <laughs> coming down the pipe here. So, in the late 1980s, developer John Rapanos in Michigan fills 22 acres of wetland with sand so that he can build a shopping mall on them. Tight. 22 acre mm-hmm. wetland in Michigan. Gets filled with sand so that John Rapanos can build a shopping mall. Well, that's that's definitely a thing to build in the 80s. I'd be even more pissed if they did this in like 2003. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> did I just... Oh, God. Did I just set up myself getting upset later? Well. <laughs> so, he did this without filing for a permit. Why would you? It's it's Michigan in the eighties. Well, and what he he actually said in the as this case came out was that it was like 
tens of miles away from the nearest navigable water. Like he's one of these assholes. Oh, so he knew he knew he was doing. Oh yeah, he knew what he looked it up. He looked beforehand? up the Clean Water Act. Saw what's that beforehand? Like beforehand. He oh he definitely he did like a mouse trap here. He's one of these libertarian assholes who just like takes one look at a thing and says navigable waters. There's no navigable waters near here. In fact, the nearest navigable water is over 20 miles away. So I'm going to put, I'm going to fill this 22 acre natural wetland with fucking sand so I can build a shopping mall on it. Dude, if we just like imprison all of the pedants, how much better would society be? (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously. Yeah. (laughs) You fucking asshole. And, And in court, he argued that the land was wet. It was not wetland. Okay. Well, no law that, broken. I'm sorry, but that's not a fucking thing. Here's your jail cell. <laughs> but dude, literally his own consultants that he hired disagreed. <laughs> but he won. In the end, he did. But, he but this is still playing. Now, this is playing out in the 1990s, though, okay? So this is before migratory bird rule gets overturned and all that shit. So Rapano said his land was 20 miles from the nearest navigable waterways, said he had not broken the law, but his own consultants and the state of Michigan disagreed. Um, Rapano's received two felony convictions. But then it goes to the fucking Supreme Court. Which were alternately reversed and remanded several times. God damn it. <laughs> he, in fact, serves three years of probation, and actually they do manage to get $5,000 in fines out of him. Oh, okay. whoop de doo $5,000. Yeah. And three years of probation, you know, he had to go talk to someone once I'm a week. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a tough. But if, you have, if you've hired your own people and they disagree with you and you still go through with it, $5,000 ain't shit, buddy. All right. So in 2004, so again, this he built this in the late 1980s. And in 2004, Rapanos appeals his civil case against him to the U.S. Supreme Court. He drags this out. For like 20 fucking years. Because that's how committed he is to being right about some dumb fucking thing. He's willing to undo the most important piece of goddamn environmental law in the United States history. Just because he wants to build a fucking shopping mall on a wetland. And he wants to be right about it. God, I hope so many fucking punk kids stole from that mall. (laughs) Fuck. The Supreme Court, this is the dumbest ruling in Supreme Court history. I challenge anyone to tell me a dumber Supreme Court ruling. Well, except for all the ones about race and black people um, not going to school and stuff. This is the the next dumbest after all those. (laughs) Okay. So this is a split decision. It's four to one to four. (laughs) What? Did you even know? Did anyone out there even know that that could be a thing in the Supreme Court? Wait, 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 wait. How the hell do you tie... (laughs) In a Supreme Court decision. <laughs> no, it's not even a tie. It's worse than that. It's four <laughs> to one to four. So there's one person who basically doesn't side with either of them. And it doesn't does tie. It doesn't just mean... No, no, no. <laughs> if it were a tie, if it were a tie, it would just be null, right? It would just... Wait, wait, wait. Was this John Roberts? Was this his first case? Let's see who was on the court here. Um, I, I, have, I have this thing in my brain that John Roberts is very insidious, but presents himself as not. Dude, it is. This is John Roberts. Oh my God, I knew it. Holy shit. Sometimes I like don't know things 
but I fucking know things. Dude, you got Roberts. You got Stevens. You got... Oh, wait, Stevens is okay. You got Roberts. You got Scalia. You got Alito. Hell yeah. You got Clarence Thomas. Hell yeah. So they're getting buck wild, dude. Dude. It's it's conservative bullshit time. Yeah. All right. I got to learn more about John Roberts. Because I know I don't like the guy. And I think I know why. But I also... Yeah, I don't know exactly why. Well, and you know how, like, people would always talk about how, like, even, like, during the Obama times, it was like, well, Anthony Kennedy, he's like, he might (laughs) talk conservative. He's like a safe bet for liberals on any important stuff. Yeah, he's going to really safely make sure that his son gives Donald Trump a shit ton of money so he can become president. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess who the, the one in between the two fours is? It's Anthony Kennedy. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> now, in a world where things make sense, you would think if the Supreme Court results in a null decision, a, an effective tie between two camps with one dissenter in between, that just the lower k the lower courts, both of which upheld, you know, the the core authority. Yeah, in this tie case. goes to the winner, man. Tie goes to the winner. You've had two court cases go against this guy. Fuck him, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but that's not the way the Supreme Court works, Jared. Because when there's because a middle life vote, is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> because the electoral college isn't doesn't work that way like the popular vote would. <laughs> because it has to be dumb. It has to be complicated and dumb, Jared. It wouldn't be American government if it weren't complicated uh, and dumb. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think it wouldn't be that bad if we just went back to a fucking king. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> All right. I know I so, don't want that, but I mean. Good Lord. This would never be happening under a monarchy. So in such a case, the narrower interpretation of the, of the law question gets sway in such a split. So if the question is how narrow should the interpretation of waters of the United States be? Oh my God. This just turned into a fucking riddle. Yeah. (laughs) And because did fucking, did he, like, whip out his shillelagh and, like, put on a nice yeah. voice while he's saying this? The middle vote, Anthony Kennedy, the one, is basically on the, on the side of um, limiting the power, but not to the extent that people like Scalia and Alito and Roberts want to, okay? What, so he's he just, says, he's, a, he's a really just shy supreme court justice huh he just yeah like, he just didn't want to go all the way i mean the first yeah supreme you know court i kind hearing. of believe this but it, i don't want to ruffle any yeah. feathers you know yeah so um and this actually is what establishes the quote-unquote significant nexus test for the clean water act the dumbest fucking shit the dumbest fucking shit okay because anthony kennedy says that nothing is a water of the United States unless it has a significant nexus with navigable water. Now, what Kennedy says about that is a significant nexus. And again, Kennedy is not a fucking wetland ecologist. He's not a biologist. He hasn't studied, you know, um, organic chemistry. He's a fucking lawyer. You know, anaerobic soils. He's a fucking lawyer. Okay. But here's what he says about the significant nexus. The significant nexus is where the wetland or water body, either by itself or in combination with others, significantly affects the physical, chemical, and biological integrity of the downstream waterway, being the navigable waterway. Well, man, that's a so if, that's a really easy thing to establish there. 
Thanks for being so specific, Anthony Kennedy, about that significant nexus test. Yeah. Just, you know, any kind of significant impact, again, that's very specific, of physical, chemical, or biological, again, super specific, integrity. <laughs> do you think he, So Kennedy do you doesn't think understand he, the water cycle. Do you think he actually understands any of this? No, I don't think he does. I really don't. I don't think he can I don't think he can envision like what a water molecule is, you know? I don't think he can understand polarity. He just knows that it's going to be a real fucking pain in the ass if we can't build malls on wetlands. Exactly. Like for yeah. him and like his son. Now, of course, the conservatives though, they said this is constitutional authoritarian blah 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 overreach, you know, yeah, yeah. federal power run amuck. Yeah, not the guy building know. the mall. The guy no, telling he's him good. not to. The guy named Rapanos is good. Yeah. The guy who basically has like Thanos' name, but with more vulgar insinuation is the good guy. Yeah. yeah. Not the people saying, hey, maybe don't ruin this beautiful place that has a bunch of wildlife and vegetation. The bad Those guys. Are the bad That's what guys. you're talking about. Those are the authoritarians. So basically that that overturns Riverside Bayview Homes Incorporated, which had established a wide view of core authority to regulate wetlands. And now the Corps can only regulate a wetland if it has a significant nexus with a navigable water. And they still haven't actually answered what's a navigable water, by the way. Like what we're talking about. If we have kayak or coal barge, as we well, said before. Well, that's, that's one of those obvious things again. <laughs> if it's efficient for industry, it's navigable. Oh, dude, right? <laughs> we've got like the 2010s to fight about what a navigable water is. Don't, right. don't worry yeah. about that right now. Now, obviously, that happens during the Bush administration, but basic, but what it does is it kind of leads leaves this big question mark. And as you said, again, this is basically kind of uh, takes takes some of the weight out of mitigation banking as well, because this basically says that all those things that everyone was like getting into mitigation banking for during the early two thousands, because they thought, oh, there's going to be all these impacts to wetlands. Now suddenly it looks like there's like 80% fewer wetlands and the Corps' authority over those ones that um, even are, you know, uh, still perhaps regulated is now limited on top of that. So why do we need mitigation credits again? Basically now the mitigation the banking economy, industry is man. only going to exist. Uh, what's that? Because it's good for the economy. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and that, and that that's, that's it. Because, you know, they got to do something, right? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. What, are we going to enforce a bunch of social programs to help people out if they don't have a fucking job? No, we got to ruin these wetlands so it provides jobs for these people that do med or fucking delineation credits. Yeah, and mitigation, you know? yeah. We got all these people with biology degrees and shit. How are we going to get that money back? Right. Yeah, well, dude, it. oh my god, you just blew my mind. It's like fucking oil, oil petrodollars. But with the environment and biology degrees. Yeah, I mean, pretty right? much, you know, you got to have a couple of jobs people could reasonably get if they get these degrees. So they can pay back all those student loans. Yeah, like if I if I worked my ass off, I could probably eventually get a job in wetland mitigation. But it would cost me a bunch of money, take a lot of effort, and I would get into this fucking job that both doesn't yeah. pay that well and also doesn't do what I studied biology to fucking do. Does the opposite. Now you've just entered me as a cog in this machine that I despise. And I have to do and, that in order to pay you. 
yeah, to learn how to do that. Me. <laughs> like it, it's <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that I decided to pause at the beginning of this and go down to the grocery store. By the way. <laughs> Get some brews, yep. Yep. <laughs> Necessary. That's why I was like, Jared should go. He needs to go get those beers for this one. Oh, we're doing a lot of learning here tonight. <laughs> yep. This this decision um, basically leads to the significant nexus test. And this big, again, it makes the Clean Water Act very vague. Like, what what is constituted under the Clean Water Act? What's the significant nexus? I mean, again, it's very much open to interpretation, depending upon who you talk to. That's the to. point. Or exactly That's or even point. what day you look at the wetland rapano's right. drug this out for 20 years that's the point yep you know that's it you don't have to you don't have to even win these court cases if you can keep doing what you're doing for 20 fucking mm-hmm. years you've made your money then you can stop you can pay all the court yep. costs you can pay all the fines and you just made 30 million dollars lost this case mm-hmm. and the wetland's gone right yep and you fucked over yep so many people at all these shitty jobs oh in the mall. Like, yeah. if we want to keep talking about the effects that this has on not only oh. just the environment, I mean. So, uh, luckily in 2008, we elected Barack Obama and he saved everything, made it all better. Yep, episode's over. Clean Water Act's fine. Barack Obama was the president. Gosh, you really saved everything. Man, you know how uh, Yemeni kids prefer cloudy days now? <laughs> Barack Obama did I think that. I would too. Yeah. Barack Obama yeah. did that. So I think Obama really just showed us that the key to life is all about mindset. You know, mm. you can mm. you can grow up in Yemen and think it sucks when it's cloudy out, but. Uh, you see enough drones go overhead when it's sunny and you'll you'll grow to impre- you grow to appreciate those cloudy days when you can't see the drones. Would, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, just to not even have to think about them, I assume, would be a big relief. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, another one of Obama's fine accomplishments was the 2015 clean water rule. OK, OK, so, um, <laughs> again, also um, very late in his presidency, like you couldn't have done this a little bit sooner, like you couldn't have done this in 2009 or something, because, again, he didn't have to, like, put this through Congress or anything. He just made a rule. Um, I mean, <laughs> he's getting late in his career here. He's going to try a remix of an old classic. Uh, let's see what happens. Well, and to be honest, <clears throat> though, of course, everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president. And well, OK, whoa whoa who is everyone okay a lot of people in the democratic party particularly amongst like obama's crew thought hillary clinton was going to be the next because i know a whole lot of people that thought hillary clinton was going to be in prison not the next president so (laughs) i just like to know who this everybody is (laughs) i'd say how's that going but um, (laughs) well uh (laughs) well i mean we're both talking about things that aren't true so like well, while we're on the topic of Hillary Clinton, though, it's worth pointing out that she was always a big advocate for the mitigation banking industry, which makes it really funny that the two huge, like, conservative Christian Trumpsters that I worked for were mitigation bankers, because Hillary Clinton was, like, theoretically their best friend. But and they yet, fucking you know, hated her. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they were, I bet they're QAnon people. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, uh, the the clean water rule. Basically, this makes sense that it's happening in 2015 though, because again, the mitigation banking industry was always the darling of Hillary Clinton, and I think this kind of makes sense in that it's like kind of some kind of like transitionary like setup for maybe some type of more powerful legislative action on her part. I don't know what was going to happen because obviously it didn't happen, but. This was essentially just to clarify the scope of federal jurisdiction over streams and wetlands, given the significant nexus test. Again, this is only a clarification. It's not like the verdict, right? It's still open to interpretation. This just clarifies it somewhat. And my one word explanation for the clean water rule is feckless. This is feckless. Okay. Basically, flowing water is covered along with wetlands, ponds, and lakes that contribute to flowing water. But yeah, so basically now what counts is, even if it's a groundwater connection that you can like demonstrate through like dye tests or something like that, where you like, you like put some kind of like tracer in like a pothole wetland and then it comes out in some water system somewhere else, that's a significant nexus, okay? But again, open to interpretation and there's immediately a huge pushback from industry and basically all the Republican states. And interestingly, also Washington, which pushed back because Washington state has a lot of wetlands. There's a lot of coastal areas. And they thought it wasn't nearly strict enough. They actually were like, we want this way stricter. So they sued, but then all these Republicans sued because they thought it was, again, going to infringe upon business and, you know, the ability for, you know, profits to be well, generated they were probably in their right. little states. They were right. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> were right about that. <clears throat> but who cares about so, that um, shit? Yeah, but basically, immediately the clean water rule gets bogged down in court. Okay. And, um, you know, there's the overreach of executive, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, Donald Trump campaigns on overturning the clean water rule. Not the clean water act, but the rule. And... When Trump gets elected in 2017, he immediately pulls a rescind and revise <laughs> on the clean water rule because now he's the president, so he can make rules. <laughs> Doesn't clean water rule literally just sound like <laughs> what Donald Trump would call the Clean Water Act? Well, and that's the that's the dumb thing about this is because, again, like, what the fuck is wrong with our government? Presidents just, can just make dude, rules this is, and it's just like a rule that people have to follow dude, this is for a like little while. Stakeholders and shareholders when we were talking about the Big Meat episode, like... Mm-hmm. Did Obama purposefully make it that to be like obscurant? <sighs> maybe. Honestly, <laughs> so, like, maybe. If like... some idiot Republican became president, people would be like, oh, yeah, clean water rule. He's talking about the Clean Water Act. Yeah. But technically, <laughs> this was also Trump's clean water rule now because he's the president. And so he pulls the rescind and revise and basically just totally repeals the waters of the United States, the clean water rule in 2019 so last year okay so now the significant nexus test is just like thrown out the window right now it's basically back to just like navigable waters and the wetlands that are adjacent to them Um, (laughs) okay which is again why like now at this point you know you see we're back in like this is like 1968 now we're back in 1968 again but this is like you know, this is this basically is tracking the trends of the last 50 years where, you know, we're like pulling the wire out of the walls right now. Right. Like in terms of the environment, in terms of labor, um, our our economy, our uh, infrastructure, we're just we're just stripping the stripping <laughs> the corpse at this point. <laughs> the government is behaving like a scrapper. Absolutely. 
And in fact, um, I will just remind everyone that Trump's pick for the EPA water chief represented the state of Wyoming in a case against the EPA and the Clean Water Act. Yeah, so and now just this year in 2020, Trump has rolled back clean water rule protections of wetlands and streams further and eliminated requirements for EPA approval for some modifications to wetlands and streams. And of course, we've talked about already how the EPA is basically selectively non-enforcing its pollution limits for major rivers in places like Iowa. Not Maybe not even for lack of interest, but just for perhaps lack of funding and lack of um, jurisdictional authority. Now, I did want to add one more case in here, Jared. This is one from this year. It's very recent, but it has kind of a surprising twist on it, okay? Because now we have the Kavanaugh Court. Hell yeah, and you need clean water to make good beer. How do you get so many sexual harassers in one place? It's almost well, like they planned it. We were way. talking about 80s movies earlier. <laughs> Kavanaugh is totally an 80s movie fucking dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so this one is the County of Maui versus the Hawaii Wildlife <laughs> Who doesn't Fund. want to get wasted and sexually assault somebody at a party? <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, so this one is kind of a little bit different because it deals with groundwater okay now jared i don't know if you knew this but hawaii is a, actually a chain of islands okay sounds like they're gonna have a lot of land wet there there's a lot of land wet yep but basically they're just rocks sticking up out of the ocean right so you know again we're basically saying like hey if water is cycling where do we like draw the line here you know so this actually brings in the topic of groundwater, which, as we said, is not regulated by the Clean Water Act. Okay, groundwater is regulated through different like sub acts and like departments and stuff. We're it's just too complicated to go into. No, it makes sense if you don't think about it at all. <laughs> so the Lahaina Wastewater Reclamation Facility in Maui was treating water from homes and businesses as wastewater treatment facilities do and then injecting it into groundwater aquifers which is actually regulated under the safe drinking water act which is kind of one of the groundwater things that regulates it and that's actually a very common practice we do the same here in colorado where we basically re-inject our wastewater into the subsurface aquifers because basically then it's back there with the rocks and the rocks filter it right that's that's essentially what's happening when you do this. Yeah, but cure the <laughs> cue the government overreach. <laughs> well, here's the thing: when you're on a rock in the middle of the ocean, it turns out that that rock is only filtering it with all of the other water from the ocean, so it just ends up in the ocean, right? And basically, things that were safe to reinject in deep water aquifers were ending up in like beaches and stuff. Basically, poop water was ending up on the beach. There were like algae blooms. People were getting sick from it. It was a big problem. Yeah, and that's okay. just really not the mood that you're trying to set when you fly to Hawaii. <clears throat> so regulated under the Safe Drinking Water Act, as that's fine. But now it's getting into the local environment. Now, yeah, because of the geology of, of Hawaii, 90% of injected water just enters the ocean. And surfing and wildlife groups sued the county of Maui 
because they said that the reclaimed water had a higher level of bacteria and microorganisms, which endangered coral reefs and wildlife and humans that live near the shore. Yeah, plus surfers got a lot of open wounds. They can't just be surfing in sewage water. That would be ill-advised. And so basically what they're saying is that, hey, the, the wastewater reclamation facility is doing point source pollution. And it's polluting, you know, coastal water, and it should therefore be regulated under the Clean Water Act and the EPA permitting system, right? So in 2014, a district court found for the plaintiffs that the facility did in fact need EPA permits to pollute. But the facility, of course, appeals the case. And the Ninth Circuit District Court, again, upheld the ruling, interestingly, using Scalia's own Rapanos logic, Basically saying that, look, this is directly entering navigable waters. Therefore, it has to be regulated under the Clean Water Act. By your logic, bitch. Everything's <laughs> fucking saved. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Love a happy ending. <laughs> so glad I've been eating this pear while you told me that. <laughs> now, during this case, while this is all playing out, okay, Obama's EPA maintained that there was no need for the permits. Obama's EPA said, you don't need permits for this shit, okay? Nah, that's the ocean. That's not navigable. <laughs> there be <laughs> there be monsters there. <laughs> but then you get Trump in there, and he's like, there is way no need for permits, bruh. Like, you, you thought, man, Obama was probably trying to get you guys to do permits, even though he said he wasn't, but he was probably trying to, and we definitely don't want yeah, you to permits, do permits. Fuck that. Give me, <laughs> give me fucking $17,000. <laughs> we'll get you out there. And in fact, um, Trump's EPA even tried to subvert the actual clean, the actual Rapanos decision and the law and the lawsuit through new guidance. They tried to just like kill it while it was in its infancy before it could get to the Supreme court because they knew that they were going to use the Scalia's logic against them. Hell yeah. <laughs> they were going to, they were like, don't make us do stuff. <laughs> well, doing stuff's good. So in 2020, this year... I understand, though. I, I really hate being made to do so. Well, when it's regulating water pollution, I'm like, come on, guys. Do, do your stuff. Come on. Um, well, let's let's be honest. <laughs> I'm never going to have that job, so... No way. You're not in the hook and bullet club, Jared. You won't get it. Um, so, yeah. In 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court rules 6-3 to three for the environment, for the Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the coalition that ruled in favor for it. Okay. It was Ginsburg, Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer, as well as Justice Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh. Okay. Brett Kavanaugh uh, hanging around the ladies in that verdict. That's troubling. <laughs> they said that this is the functional equivalent, the functional equivalent of a direct discharge as regulated under the Clean Water okay. Act. And in fact, Brett Kavanaugh, Brett likes his beer. Kavanaugh said, "This is this ruling is consistent with Rapanos." He said that specifically. So we got all the good ones voting for the fucking Rapanos verdict now. <laughs> the quote unquote good yeah. ones. Yeah, basically they are, they're all like, "Yep, yep, navigable water nexus, baby." 
So that's that's the that's the thing now is now basically the the test for clean water warriors is to say that you know how do you demonstrate a, a nexus with navigable waters with all of the waters, which is of course very hard to do. <laughs> do you have an answer? Or? No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> so I don't either. <laughs> here, here's our recap for we've walked it up to today. How clean is that water anyway? So in 1972. Congress stated that the goals of the Clean Water Act were to make all U.S. waters fishable and swimmable by 1983, to have zero water pollution discharge by 1985, and to prohibit discharge of toxic amounts of toxic pollutants. Well, but they did all those things. It's just that it never said, it said by 1983, it never said anything about 2020. (laughs) It didn't say forever. It said, you know... If we're talking about things that are obvious here, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wasn't talking about 2020. Yeah. So as of today in 2020, more than half of U.S. stream and river miles are polluted. More than 70% of lakes, ponds, and reservoirs and 90% of ocean near the coast continue to violate water quality standards, as we said in the first episode. And basically, the bare minimum provided by EPA and Corps of Engineers coverage really isn't enough anymore. And a great example of that is is South Dakota. South Dakota is a conservative shithole state. They don't want to regulate their own environment, which means that the EPA and the Corps of Engineers has a mandate to do that for them. (laughs) And they also don't want that to happen. Right. Now... God, I hope no one in, who's listening to this has been cursed enough to have visited Aberdeen, South Dakota. I had a scholarship to go play football in Aberdeen. So Aberdeen, South Dakota is on the James River, hey. which runs down from North Dakota through South Dakota and into the Missouri. It is the river with the least amount of slope in the entire United States. Very flat river. <clears throat> yes. And it runs through basically pure farm country. Excellent catfishing. Great catfishing. Yep. I've caught some catfish in the James myself. Do not swim in the James River. Do not swim in it. (laughs) Anybody, please do not swim in the James River. Through its whole extent, the James River drains some of the most productive farm country in the nation. The breadbasket of the United States. South Dakota and North Dakota. um, Corn, millet, wheat, rye, all that stuff. And it picks up gads and gads of surface runoff and gads and gads of uh, cow feces and um, overflow from uh, livestock operations. And by the time it flows past Aberdeen, South Dakota, which gets its water from the James River, that water, even after it's run through the municipal water treatment facilities, it literally smells like shit. Like you cannot (laughs) drink it. If they make like you'll go to a restaurant and they'll use it to like in their soda mixer. You can't drink that fucking soda. It is awful, 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 awful water. And, um, yeah, nothing, nothing's being done about it. You can, you can pull these reports. The insane, uh, just the insane part is though, Aberdeen is not a big city. Yeah. It's what? 40,000? Something like that. If that, I think that's generous. I would say like 15. Yeah. This is not like, this is not Cincinnati. Yeah. No. Um, this is a, this is a big city for South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. At, but that um, doesn't mean shit. Sioux Falls is not a big city for like the Midwest even. Right. 
Uh, yeah, 26,000 people. But not a big city by most standards. But yeah, just these people are just p- drinking horrible, nasty water. If they can't afford to buy it, buy it from somewhere else. Well, dude, uh, I mentioned last time that I went to Mexico. Um, everywhere we went there, you were buying. Yeah. They had, you could buy like a fucking 10 liter jug of water at the like corner store like you would buy a gallon of water here wow and that was everywhere we went like you just did not drink the water anywhere Mm -hmm. we were in mexico city we were in playa del carmen we were in valladolid um all across the country you just did not drink the water that came out of the faucet yeah so, since 1972, pollution levels have been reduced dramatically thanks to the Clean Water Act um, and the Clean Air Act as well. But the Clean Water Act specifically has reduced point source pollution, and non point pollution remains a really huge problem, particularly excessive nitrogen and phosphorus from field runoff and other agricultural industries. Basically, the law needs to be updated at this point to include non-point sources. That would be a good start, at least. Probably to include groundwater and all wetlands would be a good next point. This is where I say something funny. Oh, I've got I've got another one for you, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people have questioned whether the Clean Water Act has been cost-effective. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Oh, man, we're not even making enough money off of this shit anymore. (laughs) Um, Is it cost effective? It has cost roughly $2 trillion since 1960. Okay. And I say to those people, even though we spent the last four episodes critiquing the Clean Water Act, if you're going to sit there and listen to all that and then be like, well, the real problem is that it wasn't cost effective. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Cost effective. Hey, was it effective at protecting any of our water? Yeah, it was. I mean, not like I said, point source pollution. Point source pollution was reduced. I mean, again, like only, again, 50%, at least 50% of our lakes and streams and, or our streams and rivers aren't polluted. Well, right? but you're like, you're telling me that things aren't as bad as they could have been. But I mean, it's going to, it's going to be that way anyway, because like you said, we're back to 1968 right now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know most of this before going in, but what I took away from this whole thing is that we're back to 1968. Like, we're back to the Cuyahoga being on fire so many times that we needed to do something about this. Yeah, uh, that's probably what it'll take. I don't even know if it'll if that'll if that happening again would be enough to incite action at this point. Because again, we're stripping the walls. We've kind of made it so that that's not going to happen. Like the the most extreme things aren't going to happen. But it's right now. it's like we've covered our ass. It's yeah. like nothing noticeable is gonna you know, it's like it's like when you get really good at sneaking out of the house when you're fucking like fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You get it down, you know when and how you can sneak out of the house 
and you start doing it a few times and you get really good at it. But then eventually you kind of <laughs> start getting a little careless about it. Yeah. And like, you know, you fucking mm-hmm. you forget to like turn off the motion light in front of the garage, you know, <laughs> before you go out. So you're like yeah. sneaking out of the house and the motion light goes off, but your you fucking mom like looks out the window and just sees like a light on but doesn't see anything. It's like, oh, <laughs> must have been a deer. And then eventually, you know, you get caught. Then we get 50 more years yeah. of uh, talking about how to save these waterways. I mean, listen, this this ends in one of two ways, right? Either it continues to get worse or it starts to get better. Well, right. Um, I mean, what's your bet since you're I'm going to say it continues to get worse. Uh, OK, I don't think that um, again, you know, like we said in the last one, there's no there's no room for significant environmental legislation i think that biden will probably like redo something like the clean water rule and say that oh yeah we need to protect more of those with a significant nexus but again it'll just get bogged down in the courts through all these conservative states and basically it's on the states now like federal authority over significant areas of the environment is essentially nullified and there's not a whole lot biden can do about it well, what I'm thinking about right now is like the last we're talking about 1968, right? Mm-hmm. This was before stagflation, right? Mm-hmm. This is just like the river's on fire, but things are going pretty good right now. So we should probably, yeah. you know, not have this river be on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a strong demand for American arms manufacturing for some reason. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we still got the Saudis, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're back in 1968 right now, except for like the average business has its back up against the wall already. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you know anything about like predators, but uh, when their back is against a wall, they start getting really dangerous. Right. Definitely. I mean, if your back's up against the wall as a business, you <clears throat> have a very strong financial incentive to just overlook issues of pollution and environmental quality. Especially you know, if, it, even, e- if you don't think anybody's going to, if you don't think anyone's looking. Yeah. Even if it's just stuff like, you know, dumping like kitchen fat from like a restaurant into like a sewer drain or something like that. Like that shit still happens and it's, it's cheaper than having it hauled away professionally, you know? Yeah. So, um, what do you think on the Clean Water Act, Jared? Like, what are your looking back? You've learned a lot. Looking back, I've done a lot of learning. Um, I feel like I've, <laughs> I feel like I have such a better attitude about life right now. Um, <laughs> um well, I mean, what can I really say? But we're pretty much back to the fucking drawing board here. <clears throat> Um, with yeah, an even I mean, less favorable court you know i don't know <laughs> like nixon was having to put up with fdr's justices um right. trump has got to put up with what like nixon and reagan justices yeah i mean even though like <laughs> so... but like even though i like people like you know the squad and you know i think that there's some like pieces of government that are like doing good things i'm starting to think that ilhan and rashida are the only two real ones man yeah yeah no i i I know what you mean (laughs) but they're they're hamstrung though because of the basically of the way that the american governmental system is designed and jacobin actually wrote an article about this in its recent edition 
talking about how the division of powers through the Constitution basically ensures that federal authority works against itself and that any any wellspring of you know potential regulation or um, progress can be cut off at the root by some other branch. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jacobin, can we do like an impromptu ad for like Jacobin and uh, current affairs? I mean, just uh, if you guys are listening to us and enjoying this and uh, don't maybe you don't get some of our references or uh, our point of view is new to you, maybe check out like Jacobin or current affairs. We don't agree with everything in there, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, if you're using if you're used to reading like Newsweek and the Wall Street Journal or like whatever, the art of war whatever the oh. whatever the self-proclaimed smart guy tells you to read um i don't know mm-hmm. check out jacobin check out current affairs uh yeah, maybe you could do a lot worse yeah maybe maybe just see what they have to say let me find the quote this is a really good quote about the american government and i think this kind of this also even ties in with like george hw bush like the cia's lackey who is basically like you know set up to become like you know emperor of america right Oh, dude, uh, you don't subscribe to the Chapo thing anymore, do you? I I listened to the to the last one. I did. Okay. that's what it has me thinking about. Okay, it. Yeah. I was gonna say they like came out with that <laughs> right after I made my proclamation about his culpability and right. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, it was timely. It was timely. <laughs> that was very. But timely. so, th- but this totally explains that. This totally explains it. Like a toothless monarch. The American people reign, but are not allowed to rule. See what I said? As in. As in, like what Jockman said, you can elect the city pedophile of Arkansas over the ordained, you know, emperor, CIA ordained emperor of America, and just turn the whole the whole fucking thing over like that. Then it was the same deal with Trump. You have no actual power to govern yourself in America because it's too dissolute, yeah. right? You can, but at the same like time, said, you can man, just this shit wouldn't be happening under a monarchy. Like, not that I think monarchies are the way to go, but. Uh... Yeah, it wouldn't be going down this way. So, yeah, I think it's I think that the Clean Water Act is a very telling case in the direction of the United States. Monarchs used to do a jubilee every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, they just say hey, Biden, you know, every fucking every 20 years, let's just reset the economy. Some people fucking yeah. won, um, you know, give all the money back. Uh, nobody Better owes losses. any debts anymore. I'll go for Biden monarch if he cuts my debts. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would mean to like the average fucking person in the world if we just said, okay, we're wiping every debt and starting over. Holy fuck. And we're going to do that again in 20 years. Right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jared, I know that you've had one big question hanging over your head since our first episode. Over my head? Though. Yep. Okay. I know because you asked it. Okay. We teased it and we never answered it. Okay. What is the best pork tenderloin in <laughs> Iowa? Oh, I've been wondering every day since we brought it up. According to Don L. Eller, ace reporter for the Des Moines Register, it's at the Prairie Moon on Main in Prairieburg, Iowa. Ooh. That's where the best pork tenderloin is. Wow, that's a lot of prairie evocation. Prairie Moon on Main in Prairie Burg, Iowa. And it's by Cedar Rapids? Yeah, it's like a little north of Cedar Rapids. All right. Um, I feel yeah. like we got to go eat at this place at some point. 
odd the first compost bin of history public event well you know we're not gonna have to wear masks (laughs) 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 we'll probably get fucking looked at funny for wearing them well we'll have to go there on uh, one of our many adventures yeah i want to check this place out now compost bin of history we we get around oh yeah round and round all right now uh, before we wrap up here, I don't have an email this week, but I I know that you know since our our listeners are products of the American school system, they want to have some structure. They want to know what to look forward to in the future. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tease Do the you, next several episodes. You have things to look forward to for them. Well, they have the compost bin of history, uh, semi weekly podcast to look to look forward to. Oh, okay. So we're gonna cash in on these people's misery. Yeah, well, we're not... I mean, it's free. Well, attention is currency in our new... Oh, yeah. ...world. We're creating the content that you consume. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Here's your future content <clears throat> for your voracious ear holes. All right, so next week, Cameron Peak Wildfire, basically 100% can- contained now. Watch, it'll be like 98%, and then it'll blow well, up. Well, that's still it. amazing. <laughs> but um that's great i, I mean, want the, the people yeah it is great the people fantastic. fighting that fire did a great job yeah it's a very interesting story and we're gonna tell that next week on the podcast do i have to be serious about it no no just that you know a bunch of old people died in their homes because they refused to evacuate because <sighs> they had too much emotional connection to it well i mean yeah but <laughs> that's shit that's always going on what are you gonna do is it yeah. does it if i feel bad about it is it going to make those people not behave that way and die i'll get you to feel bad about it when i tell you that their kids are planning to rebuild okay <laughs> see that's the thing that i'll justify <laughs> all right i'm done with questions all right, after <laughs> I that i don't want to know these things after that, we're going to do another cursed episode um, okay. based on our our recommendation from listener James, Texas James. Oh, hell we're yeah. We're going to do the, the Alamo. All right. Okay. Dude, Dan Carlin just the, came out with the Supernova in the East Part 5. Yeah, I have thought. We can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> then after that, we're going to do our next anti-environmental 101 lecture uh, on basically economics and history and how they have a lot more to do with like the environment and conspiracy theories than you might have thought. Ooh, looks like we're going to be, be a little fun dipping into some uh, anti-fada territory here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Then I think we'll take a couple weeks off for the holidays. Maybe, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We might just keep rolling with it if we're having fun. My family are all kind of a pain in the ass, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. I I love my family. I just don't want to be around them all that much. But I love them. (laughs) And then, yeah, I need a little bit of time to get our next multi-part series together, which is going to be much more of a conventional history topic series. Okay. But I think this is one that'll be interesting because it's something that Dan Carlin couldn't do because it doesn't fit into his worldview he couldn't tell this story basically all right i'm intrigued and uh and yet it's going to be very much in our wheelhouse and very much conventional history fodder okay but i think i think uh you're gonna like it jared 
I'm not going to tell you what it is, though. Don't tell me. Yeah. I want to show up It'll be fun. completely in the dark on that one. You're going to, this is going to catch you out of totally left field. Hell yeah. yeah. Yep. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the plan for Compost Bin of History going forward. Uh, email us at compostbinofhistory at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Any any words of wisdom to take us out with, Jared? Words of wisdom. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people get real focused on the questions that they need to ask. Um, I would like everyone out there to consider the questions that no one's asking. If you want cook soup, now what are you going to If your head is hot, now what are you going to listen to dan <laughs> uh, the more i'm just yeah. like oh dude i would have picked on you so hard like if if we were the well, same w- w- my my hot take will you'll be uh will still be relevant if i ever explain something as you know oh the corps of engineers is just like all the other government agencies only more so Fucking take away my history podcaster card, dude. Like, that's a fucking shitty way of explaining things. That's just you saying you don't fucking understand what's going on there. If you just say the Japanese are like everybody else, only more so, like, what the fuck does that mean, Dan Carlin? Well, they're kind of like the Americans, only sort of different. Uh, they're sort of they're sort of <laughs> more American than Americans. Uh, I don't know, you know, uh, 
I know a lot about <laughs> Americans. I, I don't know that much about Japanese, but they're <laughs> they're like the that's Uber. The they're thing, like the yeah. Uber mention of Americans. But wait, Uber mention that's German. Uh, uh, but dude, you know what Dan Carlin's really good at? He's really good at like reading breathless firsthand accounts from people who are oh, actually. I there. mean, yeah. There's a reason. That's that the whole I, appeal of the show. There's a reason that I love Dan Carlin. Like, it's still entertaining. I, like, this new one was good. <laughs> I love the format of the show. I just feel like at this point, I have like outgrown Dan Carlin's point of view. I guess. 